It is Tuesday here for Fantasy Week on the ITP Quick Kicks Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Reality Sports Online. It's a powerful fantasy platform that lets you build and manage your fantasy team just like a real-life GM. The platform features the revolutionary free agency auction room and has tons of other cool features like a rookie draft, franchise tags, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and a whole lot more. Visit realitysportsonline.com today and use the promo code PYLON, that's P-Y-L-O-N, for 10% off the platform fee. And we kicked Fantasy Week off yesterday. Uh, we had Joe Redman from Numberfire on talking about his uh, IDP draft guide. And today we're joined by Matt Williamson, who... Uh, I think the last time we had you on, Matt, you were uh, GMing the Kansas City Chiefs with us back during the uh, mock war room that we did in March and April. Absolutely. That was a good time. I liked that project. That was pretty cool. It was, uh, it was certainly a blast to uh, be able to do it with you, and uh, we figured we wanted to get some of the best people for Fantasy on this week to uh, you know, really chat about some of the different uh, things that are going on in that space. And obviously, when we talk about Dynasty, you know, your name was at the top of the list, so we're happy that you were able to take a little time to join us today. Yeah, I'm glad to do it. It's good stuff. I've kind of, I mean, compared to some of you guys, I'm a little bit new to Dynasty. I've only been in leagues, I've only been in leagues now, I think, four years, something along those lines. I'm in six leagues, and as you probably know, Ryan McDowell and I started a podcast, Dino Blueprint, and I was kind of the Dynasty expert at ESPN, and yeah, I'm basically done with redraft. I mean, to me, it's like playing in the minor leagues. Matt, what was what was the biggest adjustment when when you started playing Dynasty? How, how did you have to adjust your strategy just at first? What were some of the biggest things that you had to factor in that you didn't previously? Yeah, I was very new and had no tutelage whatsoever. Um, I really wasn't familiar. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts now, and I don't think there was many Dynasty podcasts at the time. And like I said, it's only four or five years ago. And so I kind of just went in blind, and as a total newbie, I was a little cocky. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, most of the guys I played with weren't scouts in the NFL and or done that for a living for you know the last 12 years or whatever. And I thought, hey, I can evaluate talent probably better than 10 or the 11 other 11 guys in my in my league, and that'll obviously pay off at some point. But when I was really new. I didn't understand the value of future picks. You know, I was a little bit more live for today. And like most guys that really know what they're doing, right now I'm real big on I'm going to build around Odell Beckham and young wide receivers. And back then I looked at it and thought, boy, if I could have some run, you know, young stud running backs, I'm going to really be set aside. You know, and then two years later those guys are all washed up. Yeah, and I'm curious, when you start to go through the, the rookie rankings that you put together, I know your last couple podcasts that you've done uh, have been focused on that. How much is that tilt evident now in terms of how you go about ranking rookies? It absolutely is. But unfortunately, you know, this, this last class doesn't bear that out so much. I mean, if you go look up my rookie ranks, it's, it's running back heavier then I would prefer, you know, I mean, as opposed to obviously a draft class like the Cooks, Evans, Watkins, Odell class, you know, where you just want every receiver you can get, including Martavis Bryant and Moncrief and guys that weren't first-round picks in the NFL. This year, you know, Tyler Boyd and, you know, Deontay Carew, and those guys are fine, but are they first-round picks in Dynasty? You know, and one thing that I've been preaching on the podcast 
really since we started was one of my strategies, and this was well before the combine even, was I was selling all my six, all my seventeen or sixteen picks. I'm sorry, if basically for either seventeen picks or for guys that have been in the league a year or two that I knew a little bit about. And like I said, I'm in six dynasty leagues. We're finishing up the fifth rookie draft right now, and I think so far I've made four picks. And one of them was happened to be 1-1 because my team was so bad and I took Elliott like anyone could do. Hey, Matt, Mark Schofield, about this wide receiver class, are there any guys that you would identify as a first-round pick sort of in a dynasty format, or, or are these guys that you'd pass on? I would pass on at that price. You know, I mean, even, you know, we've had guys like Matt Harmon on that are wide receiver experts, and every time I talk to those guys, it always comes out of my mouth of, where's the guy, and this is real general, but where's the guy that looks like Julio Jones? You know, where's the size-speak freak that if everything goes right for this guy and he works super-duper hard and goes in the right situation and learns his craft, that he could be one of the best five receivers in the league? I just don't see it. You know, I mean, Treadwell's my number one receiver, and I really like his situation. Most people don't. But I think most years he should be your third or fourth receiver off the board, not your not one-two. Matt, I'm curious, when, when you look at these receivers, one of the biggest impediments, I think, to figuring out how receiving talent is going to translate in the NFL is just being able to pick up more complex offenses, deal with more complexity on defense. Do you have any tips and tricks for the types of players that may be able to adjust well initially versus those that might be good down the road but just take longer to develop? One tip I can absolutely give you, and when I got hired with the Browns, one thing we did is basically as soon as we got there is we spent a few days basically several hours a day in each position coach's meeting room, either when he was with players or just with us or watching tape to see exactly what the Browns wanted at the time at that position. And one thing I really, really learned that I didn't understand, you know, when I was at Pitt or Akron, but when I got to the NFL was, and our receiver coach told us this, our quarterback coach told us this, the offense coordinator told us this, Bush Davis told us this, that, when you're in a school, look for every snap of man coverage you can find on a receiver. You know, even if it's a terrible little corner that's five six, because there just isn't much of it, and it's a huge adjustment for guys to come into the league and do battle with, you know, DRC, let alone Patrick Peterson. <laughs> I mean, somebody that's as physically imposing as you with long arms that's powerful, that's going to beat you up at the line of scrimmage and be in your hip the entire time. Getting used to man coverage initially for a wide receiver is very difficult. And the second that an opposing defensive coordinator sees you can't handle it, you're going to live with it. So along those same lines, and this isn't so much related to fantasy, but just in general, you mentioned that you very rarely see that man coverage at the college level. How do you figure out who's going to be good on the other side of the ball in man coverage when it's played more in the NFL if you, if you don't see those skills on display a lot? Oh, it's definitely difficult. I mean, you're saying as when you're scouting corners. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you see a lot of misses. And a lot of it is how coachable are these young men, and that's on both sides of the ball, of course. Um, less so than some positions, intellectual ability might not be quite as important as 
a center or a free safety or middle linebacker, but they have to have a willingness to learn without question. You know, how well does he flip his hips? I mean, some, you know, in college, some people do play man coverage, but it's nothing to the degree of what these receivers face their rookie year. Matt, moving to running backs, you mentioned Elliott's probably the safe, easy, kind of, you know, no-brainer pick at the top of this running back class. But who are some guys that you would consider maybe in that next tier? And who are perhaps some sleepers that guys want to keep their eyes on in the later rounds? Yeah, there's a couple guys I do like. Unfortunately, you know, like this entire draft class, in my opinion, they're getting drafted higher than they probably would in most rookie drafts. But uh, I've written a couple articles lately that – These couple guys wouldn't shock me at all if they led their respective teams in rushing as a rookie or took over the starting job by, you know, midseason or game four or five. And and those are Kenneth Dixon, um, Paul Perkins, you know, and and a lot of it has something to do with where they land. Um, I have respect for Booker and I have some respect for Henry, but I think that that beating the guys out in front of them won't come easy. But I think Jordan Howard has an excellent chance to be the the lead guy in Chicago, and that doesn't mean he's going to turn into Adrian Peterson, but he's a very he's a very John Fox friendly running back. Is is the dynasty format at all friendly to handcuffing like you see in single season leagues at all, or is that not as commonly done? Some people do it, and I, I go out of my way to see who those guys are in the league because then they'll overpay for the backup that they have that's on my roster, you know what I mean? Yep. And I, and I do think there is some value to it, but I don't think you overspend to do it. Because, I mean, generally speaking, your dynasty rosters are much bigger, and you, you have seven or eight running backs on your roster. So if your, your running back one goes down, you should have somebody serviceable at least is going to get in the game. And, and, you can, and last year was such a great example, too, that you can pick up – Spencer Ware or Thomas Rawls or, you know, so many guys got hurt and so many no-name running backs were prominent. So I don't think it's a huge priority. It, it, to me, it's, it's more like a tiebreaker. If, like, I'm going to take this guy or not, well, I have the starter. This guy might take over for him. Okay, that's a tiebreaker in his favor, but it's down the line. Matt, um, just asking a quick question about Derek Henry. Do you think sort of the scheme fit that he's going to find himself in playing for Mike Malarkey, who wants to run this sort of exotic smash mouth, might be conducive to him perhaps poaching some goal line TDs, short yarded situations that might make him a valuable play? Yeah, and that's one thing I've said about him a lot is I wouldn't be super excited if he landed on my NFL team or if I was a scout for that team, I probably wouldn't give him fantastic grades. But but it's easy to forget, especially at the dynasty level, fantasy's different, and he might score a lot of touchdowns. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not a big DeMarco Murray fan. Clearly, there's a plan in place there, and I urge people to go back on my timeline because I wrote a thousand words on this recently of what Malarkey wants to do. I mean, it goes back to having Willis McGahee and Michael Turner, and Malarkey's roots were as a tight end for the Steelers with Bill Cowher. And whenever he became the offense coordinator there, they drew him Bettis. You know, I mean, that's what they want, is they want power football. And you can say what you want about it. I mean, is that a dynasty, you know, an archaic way of playing the game on offense? Maybe. But, you know, you have a young quarterback with, with good wheels. I don't think it's a bad way to acclimate him to the game and take some pressure off him, keep him out of third and long. Obviously, they bulked up their offensive line, too. But in terms of the football players, 
I'm not at all sold on Murray or Henry. Talking with Matt Williamson from the Dynasty Blueprint regarding and, and actually, guys, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I was I, a tweet was sent to me a couple of weeks ago. Who's going to be the Titans' lead running back in 2017? And I said Leonard Fournette. Ooh, interesting, <laughs> interesting. Look, look at that. I mean, that's wow, that's that's a bold like prediction. Is, is this the first time you've said that publicly? Oh, on Twitter, I mean, oh, come on. heard it, but <laughs> <laughs> so, we can be our little secret, though. All right, your secret's safe with us. Folks, I do want to talk to you uh, about a new platform that is out there for fantasy sports. If you've ever wished you could be an NFL general manager, you now can, thanks to Reality Sports Online. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager. How? Reality Sports Online was actually created by former NFL front office personnel. It features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform hosts up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency. What else? It's got a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, injured reserve, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and a lot more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code PYLON to get a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Matt, one other thing that I think we'd be remiss if we didn't chat about, and Mark probably wants to talk about this more than anything. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't already. Quarterbacks, yeah. what do we do with these young signal callers? See, I think it's a pretty good group, to be very honest with you. I mean, contrary to popular belief, I think Sam Bradford isn't a terrible football player and that he's a starter in this league. I, my hunch is he's not going to end up being the starter in Philadelphia long. You know, Andy Dalton's going to get hurt in the second week of the preseason and somebody's going to call and he'll be moving on his way. And Wentz needs time. So they have Daniel there. He's going to be the placeholder. But I think Wentz could hit big. I mean, and I think Goff is a very good player. And I think Lynch is in a great situation. I mean, one thing about quarterbacks when I look at Dynasty is how much do I – the player aside, wherever their landing spot is, how much do I trust this organization not only to get the most out of the player – but not to screw them up, <laughs> you know, I mean, to, sure. to give them, like, you can say what you want about Ryan Tannehill, but that organization hasn't done him many favors until this past off season. I mean, they consistently are changing coaches. They get receivers that don't fit his skill set. You know, it, 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 there's many examples over the last 10, 15, 20 years of a of quality guy enters the league and the organization messes it up. And that's not to take blame off the quarterback, but I look at Denver and say, I think this organization is one of the A-plus ones in the, in the league. I, I would doubt that they screw that up, you know, that they're going to put him in the best absolute situation to succeed. I really think Philadelphia is a very smart front office right now, too, and I was super impressed with their offseason. So I think they'll handle it properly. Obviously, I'm worried about the Rams. I don't think you're alone there. Yeah, and I really like Goff as a player. I mean, I think he's the best prospect, you know, on college tape. But if anyone's going to ruin him, it's going to be the Rams. Well, and, and isn't it just a ton of pressure to be the first draft pick the first year in a new city? I mean, that's that's just a tough, 
tough feat to live up to right there. Oh, of course. You know, and just like David Carr being the first overall pick of the Texans. And, sure. You know, absolutely. I mean, but part of me also thinks that if you can't, if such a thing is going to break you as a quarterback, well, then maybe you're not the guy anyways. So if you're looking at one of these quarterbacks for this year and then one for the long term, what direction do you head in? I think Goff will play the most originally. I think they'll run the ball a ton. Hopefully that offensive line, if you remember, they used six draft picks, including supplemental picks, on their offensive linemen last year. So as bad as their O-line was, you've got to think it's going to be better. You know, I mean, at least in the next year or two. Obviously, Gurley takes some pressure off him, but how much are they going to throw? You know, I mean, I think he's, at the end of the year, he probably has the most cumulative rookie stats of any quarterback, but he's never going to have good games, I don't think, you know. So he needs another receiver or something added you know, to the mix before he can be a potent fantasy option. And probably the same is true for Wentz. I mean, unless Aguilar or someone like that really steps up, there's just not a lot of you know, passing gold to mine there. And I just don't think Lynch is ready for a while. So I'm not avoiding your answer. And in dynasty <laughs> drafts, you know, I really think they're neck, neck, and neck. That that I I've been going Wentz, Goff, Lynch. If I'm to rank the three of them, yep. But it really is a pretty fine line. Very good. Anything uh, anything new that you're working on that we should expect uh, over the rest of the summer? Any big uh, things that are going to be coming out? I'm busy. Just stay on. You know, check out my Twitter at Williamson NFL. Uh, one project that's been fun though that I've been working for on, on a site called Today's Pigskin is I've been ranking the top 20 players at every position. It has nothing to do with fantasy. And we're about halfway through the offense. I was on Ross Tucker's podcast this morning talking about it. It's just something that, you know, you put out a list this time of year, something I learned at ESPN, and it sells, and it causes controversy, and people tell you you have no idea what you're talking about. Which is always what you want to hear. Well, I've heard for, <laughs> for a while now. Uh, outstanding. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you joining us today, and uh, thanks again for your time on this. Anytime. Take care, guys. Matt Williamson. You can follow him on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. We are out of time for the day, but we'll see you back here tomorrow on the third day of Fantasy Week on the ITP Quick Kicks Podcast. Podcast.